Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. Special shout out to Slam Radio. Special shout out to Larry D'Amigo. It's your boy DC. You got John Michaels up there in the ATL and joining us all the way from Canesville, the 352 or the No Tinkville, however you want to say it. Our boy Brad Tejada. What's going on, fellas? What's up? What's up, man? Good, good to be joining with both of you guys, man. It's been a long time coming. That it has been. All is good here in the ATL. Just uh, had a long day driving, running around, getting ready for recruiting tomorrow. I know, Brad, you're locked and loaded with everything that's going on. <laughs> Dude, I get such a kick, and I, and I hate to go off on a tangent right to start the show. but Do I it. Right. Just do it. I get such a kick out of the losers on social media that are so and, – and, and it's not wrong. Covering recruiting is one thing. Loving these kids is – my goodness, there are people on there whose lives – it feels like it comes to an end if a kid doesn't pick Miami or doesn't pick Florida or Florida State. I'm like, bro, I I love Miami more just as much as anybody that's on this show. And I know Brad does and Co. You obviously do and Bird when whenever he finishes getting an ice cream sundae. He loves Miami as much as we do. But my goodness, there are people on there that lose their ever-loving mind. And it's not – some kids – like Jalen Brown, I'll just put his name out there. Jalen Brown hasn't even chosen a school yet, but Crystal Balls started leaning towards LSU. And there were people melting down that suddenly Mario's not doing his job. It's like, dude, some of you guys, you need to get a girlfriend. You need a side piece. You need to go hang out with your kids. Go to the beach. Go do something constructive. Leave these damn 17-year-old kids alone. It's ridiculous. So, so, so John, and, and Brad already knows this. Like, to me, okay, I'll get in. I'll dabble in the recruiting a little bit. But, you know, again, you know how I, I stand on this. Until those kids sign on the dotted line or, you know, they fax those papers in, I don't really care because so much, tra- you know, transpires between a commitment date and letter of intent, right. right? So who knows what can happen? You know, you can be full blown number one recruiting class, all these five stars. You lose three, four, five games. Some kids going somewhere else, right? So obviously we're in some chats and, and we'll get into that. But man, I don't know how people actually have a job <laughs> when I'm on some of my chats and I'm like, bro, like, like today I, I finally opened up the chat. And there had to be, I swear, like 400 messages, you know, and, and it's like, oh, I, I DM this coach and I, and I talk to this, this, this player's dad. And I, you know, I'm like, bro, y'all have way too much time on your head. So speaking of that, Brad, talk to me a little bit about what's going on in the recruiting world. <laughs> yeah, man. As you mentioned, I mean, John, right off the bat, talked about Jalen Brown, right? Gulliver Prep guy out of Miami in your own backyard. And he's, you know, he's rated a five star, right? So you would think. The way Mario and the staff has, you know, been developing, evaluating, and landing some of the top-tier guys, you would think someone like Jalen Brown would be a lock-in for Miami. But, I mean, there's options. There's a lot of options for Miami in every position, and this is something that Miami Hurricane fans aren't used to. Um, And at the end of the day, I mean, John touched that on a little bit, you know, with social media and how crazy some people get if, you know, a crystal ball of some sort or if he does decide to go elsewhere – Man, these are kids that are becoming men. And when you get to talk to them on a personal level, man, it's more than just the game of football. 
right. and people got to realize that. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's it's free education. You know, it's three to four years of of education where you can learn more than just the game of football. And you know, with reports coming out, there are some ties to LSU. You know, mom um is living in Mississippi, Mississippi so yep. she's very close to Louisiana University. And then also the um someone I believe it was the athletic director for Gulliver Prep. He left and went um, to LSU, so now he has some ties uh, to Jalen as well and his father, who who seem to have a really good connection. But I mean, I'm excited for you know what's coming this weekend. I believe we're going to land a five star in Jaden Wayne out of Washington. This is a kid that's been traveling all around the country, has visited everywhere, so every program is after him. Obviously, being a five star, he's at one of the key positions that you're going to need in college football, which is the pass rusher. Um, and it seems like he's trending towards Miami. And this is a guy that, again, you talk about recruiting. The other R word with recruiting nowadays is relationships. Yeah. And this is something that Mario Cristobal and this whole staff has been able to, you know, go to a whole nother level. And it goes to a guy like Jaden Wayne, who they've, you know, recruited since the eighth grade. Can I give you another R? Relentless. Uh, this staff is absolutely relentless on the trail. Um, and you know it better than I do, Brad. You cover recruiting a lot more than I do. I follow it. I don't cover it. I'm kind of like, Co, get me to December and let me see what kids are actually coming <laughs> nice. on board. But it is exciting. I mean, this is something a far cry. Remember a year ago, Manny Diaz, he said the June bake sale wa- wa- wasn't going to necessarily transpire at Florida State. And he-, he also talked about how the negativity from Twitter and Canes fans we're ruining recruiting. Now, I think there is a hair of truth to that. Like, there isn't a lot that I took from Manny Diaz that I actually believed in, but I think there was a hair of truth to that, and it goes to the Jalen Brown scenario. I saw people immediately when the crystal ball started changing to LSU, and again, he'll announce, I guess, Friday, what, 6 o'clock, Brad? Yes. So Friday at 6 o'clock. Still could come to Miami. That's that's still a possibility. But I saw people immediately trashing the kid. Oh, he's not really a five-star anyway. Oh, he's Mark Pope 2.0. It's like, dude. You, you want to know why a kid maybe won't choose your school? That's a big part of it. And, Brad, I saw you and, and Marsh and some of the other guys really help when we got Francis Magoa, the, the Francis to the U, that hashtag. I woke up Sunday morning or Saturday morning. I said, oh, my God, my Twitter just won't stop. And I just saw all the Kane stuff coming in. But relentless is a u- word I would use with Mario Cristobal and his staff as well. Well, let me give you another R word. It's ridiculous that I'm wearing this number 63 jersey because <laughs> – now, what size is that? It looks a little big. It is a uh, a 48. So, What size suit do you wear, like a 42? I wear a 44L. Okay. So I'm a 44 oh, you, got, you got those so, long arms then. I, I do. I do have long arms. You know, I, I don't have like the Jaden Wayne wingspan or the Gregory Rousseau wingspan, but my wingspan's pretty up there. The funny thing uh, is I, I either wear a 44 short or a 46 short that I have to get taken in. I'm big across here, and I've got these little short Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. (laughs) You know, so going back to recruiting, and and Brad, I'll tell you, because, like, again, I'm not big into it, right? I'll I'll dabble, I'll dabble. But the whole, you know, hashtag Francis to the you thing, Mm -hmm. I decided, well, you know what? I'll jump on board. And I couldn't believe it either. Me either. (laughs) Brad Brad hit me up. He's like, oh, my God, Cole. You know, because, again, I'm not – that's just not who I am. Like, to me, kids are going to be kids. With the Jalen Browns, with the Hakeem Williams, you know, with the Brandon Ennises, like you have a lot of local talent. And even going back years, the Amari Cooper, the Jerry Judys, mm-hmm. the Calvin Ridleys, you know, those guys there that are in your backyard, maybe it wasn't a good fit for them to come to the University of Miami, right? Some kids want to get out of Miami. Some kids right. want to get out of Broward County. 
I'm not going to ever knock a kid for choosing another school. But I think like you talk about relentless, this staff will not leave a stone unturned. They're going to find who they're going to find. They're going to probably get who eventually they want to get because I feel what Mario and his staff are building is going to be something special. I'm not calling it an Alabama, you know, in, 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 the, in the up and coming, but I feel like if Miami can land on some of these prospects, and you know, we talked about this last week, John, it's going to start in the trenches. So speaking That's of that. it needs to start. Correct. You get the number one offensive tackle, you know, the number ninth or tenth rate player in the country, and Francis Malgoa out of IMG. You steal a recruit last year in Jalen Skin, uh, um, Skinner right. uh, from IMG. Brad, quick question. Now, Jaden Wayne's going to IMG. There's other kids that are going to IMG. Are we starting to see a pipeline potentially from an IMG to Miami, Brad? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you touched on a couple. It started with Jaleel Skinner, right? One of the best tight ends in the country last year. And again, we mentioned Alabama. This is a guy that was trending towards Alabama late in the recruiting cycle, and we ended up landing Jaleel Skinner. And obviously that's because of tight end U. Um, again, going to tight end U, another guy we just landed was Riley Williams um, from Oregon, who is – you know, transferring to IMG as well. Uh, he was rated one of the top tight ends in the country. You also have Malik Bryant, who is one of the top linebackers in the country, um, who at one point was at IMG. He's not currently at IMG, but he was at IMG. And then you also got Janelle Aguero, um, which is one of the top safeties in the country uh, that at one point was at IMG as well. And I think Miami's in good spots for all these guys. And it goes all the way back to, you know, who you guys mentioned, Francis. Um, this is a, a kid that we probably would have never gotten at Miami if it wasn't for Mario Cristobal, Coach Salavea, and Coach Mirabal, and the rest of the staff. I mean, this was this guy ended up being not only what you said, Co, the second best tackle in the nation, but he ended up being the ninth overall highest recruit that Miami's ever had in history. And when you go back to every recruit, every player that's developed in a U uniform, for a young man at the position and need that Miami has not really been able to be successful in the last 15, 20 years for it to be that high of a caliber. And then to still be able to go after the next top guy at that position and Samson, uh, a um, that is, you know, huge dividends. And then you also got a lot more options on the table as well. And I saw Peyton Kirkland, a guy who now has narrowed it down to two, uh, Francis Magoa had put, you know, somebody put something in and Kirkland responded, I'll be your left tackle. It's funny when and we always use the term iron sharpens iron. And I think that's very true, but these kids want to play with other great kids. You know, I, I think my goal is the first five-star offensive lineman that Miami's gotten since Chantrell Henderson yeah. all the way back in 2010. And remember he was a USC kid and then USC got hit with probation. He goes, I'm out of here. And he went to Miami. He was decent. Ended up in the NFL. Wasn't as great as we thought he would be. And I think the development wasn't quite there. But my Goa, you know, I'm not going to lie, I, I tuned into CBS HQ, something I normally never do for recruiting, especially in July. But I said, I got to see if we really got a shot at this kid. And when we got him, I thought it was really, really good. You mentioned Jaden Wayne, Brad. I want to go back to Jalen Brown. If you were putting a percentage today, and we're taping the show on Thursday, it'll air on Friday on Sirius XM. If you're putting a percentage for 6 o'clock tomorrow, does Miami have any shot, 25%, 40%? Is it still kind of up in the air? I think Miami still has a shot. Um, but I think with, I mean, again, when you talk really about relationships, there is, you know, a factor there at LSU. LSU is another program that has proven that they could produce wide receivers at the next level. Yeah. You know, you talk about a Jarvis Landry, Odell, Bell, Odell Beckham, and others. 
I mean, obviously those guys were in their own backyard in Louisiana, but you know, with a new coach in Kelly, you know, this is a guy that's known for recruiting as well. He knows how to evaluate talent. Um, and I think Jalen Brown could definitely fit their system pretty well. Um, they ended up snagging my favorite recruit in the last class and Landon Ibietta as well. So, you know, they know how to grab the great wide receivers from other areas. Um, but if I had to put a percentage on it right now, I would say maybe 20, 25% from Miami, 75% LSU. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think when you look at what Miami currently has on the table, um, they have, you know, a Ray Ray Joseph and a Washington already locked in at wide receiver. And these are two guys that are known for their speed as well. Um, and they also bring a lot more to the table than just speed. And when you look at a guy like Jalen Brown, he is definitely known for his speed. But I think when you look at the other options that Miami could potentially have there, I think there's some other options on the table that Josh Gaddis and others may look um, after as well in case we don't get a guy like Jalen Brown. Um, I wouldn't be too you know, upset if I'm a Miami Hurricane fan because, again, we're in a new day and age of recruiting with this staff right. where we have so many options. I mean, you talk about the trenches. We'll get into that later. But you got so many offensive line options, so many defensive line options. And, again, at wide receiver, most of these options you're going after is in your backyard, so the relationships are there. I, I wanted to bring up receiver. You probably saw me looking down if you're watching on YouTube, watching the live stream. Um, I was writing down, going through the roster of the receivers currently on the roster, and I hope I didn't miss anybody. Romello Brenton, Frankie Ladson, Keyshawn Smith, Xavier Restrepo, Brashard Smith, Jacoby Jones, and Michael Redding. Am I missing anybody? Yes. Colby Young. Colby Young. And I forget <laughs> about him. So uh, the reason I brought that up, Young is a big guy, 6'4", and some change. Frankie Ladson's a big guy. I think he's about 6'4". Everybody else, and, and I'm I'm trying to remember Jacoby and Romello. They're not six four. They're like six one, six two. Am I correct? I think Jacoby's actually Rom maybe under six feet. Okay, Rom I think Romello's about six six one. Okay, but other than that, we don't have. We've got two bigger receivers, and Michael Redding's a fairly big bodied guy, if I'm not mistaken. But when I look at that, you know, Romello sophomore, Keyshawn Smith junior, Xavier's going to be a junior, Brashad sophomore, Jacoby sophomore. Michael Redding, I believe, is going to be a sophomore as well. And then Colby Young, what is he, a sophomore or a junior? Is He's he a sophomore. In? So he'll be a sophomore. I look at that, and I know people are going to panic if Jalen Brown does pick LSU. But we've got a bunch of talent there. Facts. You know, guy, And I know people went all over the top. Oh, they drop balls in spring practice. Let me tell you what spring practice means. Not a damn thing. Zero. Hold on. Hold on. We talk of practice? Yeah, practice. Practice? Practice. Drop practice? Balls in a practice <laughs> situation. Not in a game situation. Brad, talk about that position. And, you know, and again, you already talked about some of the guys you've got coming in. What they could be looking for if Jalen Brown's not there. Like, what are some of the names we could be looking at if he's not there? Yeah, I think the key with all this receiver talk, especially with what we currently have on the roster and what we're trying to bring in, you don't necessarily need the, the tall wide receivers. When you look at what Josh Gaddis brings to the table, he's not only your wide receivers coach, but he's your offensive coordinator. And what he did at Alabama in prior years, having multiple guys that use their speed to their advantage. And then when you look at Michigan, he didn't necessarily necessarily have the big names. I think the leading receiver on Michigan only had about 620, 30 yards and maybe six touchdowns. Um, but as a collective group, they got the job done. They were one of the top teams in the you know, in the country when it comes to the passing game overall. So, you know, Josh Gaddis knows what it takes to utilize guys. And when you look at what you got, you know, these are two guys in Ray Ray Joseph and Washington that know how to use, utilize themselves in open space when they get the ball in their hands. And when you look at going forward, if you don't land on a guy like Jalen Brown, um, you have other guys in your backyard like Hakeem Williams, um, who, who we saw just got a bump uh, to a five-star. 
He's he's you know in between Texas A&M, Florida, Alabama, and Miami. Um, and then you also got Andy Jean, who's from Miami Northwestern, as we know. That Miami Northwestern, Miami Hurricane Pipeline. You mentioned Romello Brinson, Khalil Brantley. You know, the list goes on with that with that high school. Um, and another name to look out for is William Fowles uh, from Miami Dade Christian. He's 6'2, uh, 195 pounds. He's another guy that has, you know, in the last few weeks have has climbed up the recruiting uh, rankings, and it's a, a name to watch. Um, the last name I would probably say is uh, Jerion Dickey. Uh, he's from East Palo, California. He's also 6'2", um, so we already have the speedsters. If you want to go with a guy with a little bit more height, he's currently committed to Oregon, but he was a, probably the best wide receiver in the 7-on-7 seven seven Vegas camp um, about a month or two ago, and I know Miami is uh, trying to make a push there. And with him recently committed to Oregon, you know there's ties there with this current staff. Right. All right, well, let's do this. Let's go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to touch on There's a name that hasn't been mentioned but I'm going to bring it up, and obviously he's already committed somewhere else, but we'll get into that in a minute. Give us, give us a few minutes here on the King Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM, channel 145. We'll be right back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM, yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tua. I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva Potra, la caballota, la reina y mi cuello. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
right, we're back. And obviously we're talking University of Miami recruiting. We're talking receivers at this point with uh, Brad Tejada, John Michaels. Um, obviously, you know, you talk about five stars, right? Like, which is crazy is you got Jalen Brown and, and Dade County as a five star. You got Hakeem Williams out of Broward at Stranahan High School as a five star. You have another kid at Heritage and Brandon Ennis, who that's who I want to talk about, who's a five star and going to Ohio State. Eventually, I think we will hit on some of these guys. Andy Jean, I like Andy Jean. I like his tape. I feel like Brad, to me, he's more of a, an A&M lean. Um, I could be wrong there. Um, but at some point, we got to be able to bring back those receivers that could do all. You know, again, you look at people like Santana Moss, who, again, he can play receiver. He can play, you know, punt return. He can play kick return. You know, when's the last time we really had somebody like an Andre Johnson who can really stretch the field, who is a big body, who can go over the middle and get it? I really liked Rambo's game last year. A lot of people were up in arms, especially during spring practice. Oh, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? And then you saw what he did. I thought he was, he was like targeted so many times. You had ample opportunity to make catches, right? But when are we going to get these big receivers who can transition that transition from the college level to a top first round, second round, third round pick? Because again, look at our two best receivers last year and Mike Harley and, and, and Charleston Rambo both go undrafted, right? Do I think they make the roster? Potentially. But I mean, when are we going to get John? When are we going to get some of these big receivers that eventually step up, you know, and go in the first round? I think part of it is you got to hit on those guys. You think about the players you mentioned. You know, you can go Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Gary Judy. First round, first round, first round. The hope is now with Mario, and and Rome wasn't built in a day, and rebuilding the University of Miami wasn't going to be built in the day. He'll pull in a top five class. It's just a matter of now showing consistently that your offense is going to highlight receivers. You want to know why Brandon Innes goes to Ohio State? Go look at what they do. They had, you know, Garrett Wilson go first round. Chris Olave go first round. Jackson Smith and Jigba filling in for those guys in the Rose Bowl goes for 370 yards. They got Marvin Harrison's kid. I think they've signed like eight or nine five stars over the last six years. Like it's just, it's a chain and it continues to go on and on. And then those guys get to the NFL and have success. Much as I hate Ohio State, you have to respect what they're doing. Same thing at Alabama. I mean, whether it's John Mechie, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, Devontae Smith winning the Heisman Trophy, whether it was Judy or any of these other guys, they go to those places because they have a track record of success. Brad, one of the things that scares me with this, um, with Josh Gaddis, is I don't think he's going to be here long. I think if he has success a year or two, he's getting a head coaching job somewhere, and rightly so. And we're going to be starting over and trying to figure out where we can hire a new offensive coordinator. The one thing that scared me with Mario, Joe Moorhead was not a great offensive coordinator when he was at Oregon. And I forgot who he replaced, but when he got the job, it felt like, okay, you took a step back. Do you think the pipeline, A, could start with receiver to kind of echo uh, Coe's question right there? And B, do you think we can start keeping a system where five years from now, remember it went from like Gary Stevens, I don't remember who the OCs were after Gary Stevens because it didn't matter. The team was still the same. The offense looked the same except when Dennis Erickson came in. Can you see that, you know, Stephen Field maybe getting an offensive coordinator bump after a couple of years? One of the line coaches, you know, maybe Mirabal moves to an offensive coordinator. Can anything like that happen on the staff? Yeah, I think the key to all this is most of your core staff are guys that, you know, are originally from Miami and their roots are at home. So you feel, you know, pretty confident that they're going to stay for the long haul, just like Mario 
and even have you know the guy in charge above him, Alonzo Highsmith, is going to do. But what what I think Mario did was he knew right away the University of Miami, they needed a leader. They needed a guy that everyone could look to and they could believe in, and that's exactly what Mario does. Now, what are some of the, you know, the downfalls tomorrow? Maybe he doesn't win in big games. Maybe, you know, his, his game-to-game or even quarter-to-quarter um, game planning um, isn't where it needs to be. So that's why he brings in, you know, the Broyles Award winner um, and Josh Gaddis. And, and I agree, um, John. I think at the end of the day, if you want Miami to get where they need to be, Josh Gaddis, unfortunately, isn't going to be here more than two years, I would say, right? But I think the key was you got also a quarterback coach and also a former offensive coordinator at another big-time program and Frank Ponce, who you believe that if someone like Josh Gaddis leaves, you got someone in Frank Ponce that could come in and fill in right away. But I think the key to all this, we bring it right back to receiver, and I think the key is player development, right? Um, when you look at what um, Co brought it up a little while ago about you know the last couple years, you know, our – Last two years, our best leading wide receiver was a guy from the transfer portal. We need to start being able to prove that we could develop guys in right. in the locker room and guys that we've gotten in our own backyard. I mean, you look at just in the last year, in a couple of years, you had a guy in Michael Redding. You know, you talk about the IMG pipeline. He was rated a high four-star, low five-star at times, you know, throughout a football year. And that's a guy who didn't pan out. I mean, there are so many names. Mark Pope, right? Former four-star, five-star. Uh, D. Wiggins. These are all guys that didn't pan out for Miami. Who knows what could have happened if they were, you know, wearing an Alabama logo on the side of their head. We never know. But at the end of the day, you're seeing not only a wide receiver, but at multiple positions that we just didn't know how to develop guys and put them in the right spot. That goes to the linebacker position as well. And I think with the staff that we have now, that is going to be a huge key going forward to where I think a lot of these guys, they're going to bring a lot more to the table than what we expect. And I think a lot of that goes to the player development and the coaching. Well, it's good well, to see Dirty Bird makes it in here. Did you gentlemen? Get, did you get ice cream today, or what happened? I did, man. It was a keto cheat day, so uh, yeah, I went and had some, went and had that cookies and cream, man. The junk was fire, so nice. Feeling, feeling good. You got a happy bird right now, so <laughs> happy, happy big bird, bird. Makes a happy show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There you go. So, so I'm, I'm kind of just jumping in on the conversation here with well, you guys. You're obviously, late. But, of course, of course, <laughs> fashionably, of course, but but. You know, you guys talk about, you know, those guys that underperform. Like, who's, who's like, maybe two people that we have on the roster right now that we think are, are kind of, you know, guys that are going to get a second chance under the new regime? Wayman Steed. Oh, okay. Potentially. I, I think when Wayman came out of Central, and, and I say this, I think when Wayman came out of Central, now we know he had some knee injuries and things like that, but right. he was a monster coming out of Central. You know, and, and as, as much as I hate to say this, because I never want to bash any coaches. If you look at your linebacker coaches over the last couple of years, Manny Diaz and Jonathan Packey, like what really did they do? You take away Shaq, Pinckney, and McLeod. You know, when Manny ran just the defense, I thought our, our linebackers played fairly well. When Manny assumed the role as a head coach slash DC, I saw a lot of regression on our linebackers. I mean, your best move was moving Keontre Smith over to play linebacker. But, mm-hmm. again, I look at someone like you bringing in a Kevin Steele and you're bringing in a Charlie Strong. You're right. talking about two guys there who are phenomenal at those two at that position regardless, right, at linebacker. Like, who do you have? You have Caleb Johnson, you know, the transfer. Again, we talk about transfers. The transfer out of uh, UCLA. You got Wayman Steed. You got Corey Flagg. Um, Keontre Smith. You got Wesley. I mean – Got the kid from UCLA. Yeah, yeah Caleb Johnson. Caleb yeah. Johnson. Yeah. So it's like, 
at some point, somebody's got to step up, you know, and then mm-hmm. I was talking to, uh, I, I was uh, having a conversation with, with a, a former player the other day, and we were talking about something when, and then I'll go back to Dan Morgan. When Dan Morgan played at the University of Miami, if you remember the 2000 FSU game, he didn't even come back out in the second half because he was so dehydrated. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was for other reasons, John. You were yeah, that's other reasons, John. <laughs> but, I think you were dehydrated before you even left for the game, judging yeah, we'll, by the stories you told us. We'll, we'll get into the 2000 game. Yeah. But no, you were right. He did. Jonathan Vilma came in. We were okay, like, so th- there's, that, that's my point, John. You look at somebody as a freshman, and Jonathan Vilma, who stepped in for a senior Dan Morgan, and then literally balled out. You know, then you watch you watch uh, you watch Vilma in the 01 you know season completely took control. Right. Where do we have these guys that can step in in case of a injury or you know again Dan Morgan stepped in for Nate Webster when Nate Webster decided to go you know declare for the draft? Where are those guys that you can count on? That you know, hey, if this person goes down, my, my middle linebacker or my my Mike, my Sam, that's covered. The heck with that. We don't have guys right now that I can count on that are there, whether somebody goes down or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. And I and I, I got I got two I got two names for you. One on the offense, one on the defense. You talk about you know Miami Hurricane players and what it takes to be a cane. This guy's last name already carries a lot of weight, and I'm talking about Al Blades Jr. This is a guy that this is this is a guy that I think he's going to be in the right position finally. Um, he's he's fully healthy now. We know what he brings to the table. He's got heart. He's got the talent to do what it takes. And when you look at a, a defense of what Kevin Steele is going to bring to the table, he likes those type of players that can play multiple positions. And I think you're going to see Al Blades Jr. be almost a, of a chess piece on this defense to where he could play nickel, he could play corner, he could even play in the box and safety at times. Um, he's a guy to look out for. And then on the offensive side, you guys bring up injuries, right? And the guy I want to see step up and take that next step is Jalen Rivers. When you talk about the offensive line, the coaching and developing is something that's been very bad at Miami. And when you look at you know some of the highest recruits that Miami's been able to land, Jalen Rivers is one of those guys. And you look at the injuries, right? If you look at the offensive line, specifically at that right side tackle position, we all John know. John Campbell, Jalen yep, Rivers. Yep, uh, DJ Scape. So that's yeah. something that could be looked at. You know, you got Isaiah you know, Walker's out again. Like you're very, you're very guard heavy, right? You you got about six to seven guards that you could probably depend on um to move around, and that's when you look at a guy like Jalen Rivers, where even though he was a guard last year, he has the body and the frame yes. to where he can move to the outside in case yeah. someone gets injured. So that's a guy to look out for. He was our best lineman last year, man. I mean, I, I loved what Rivers was doing until he went down. So we did see him at I, well, I did. I don't know, Bird, you got there late. I saw him yeah, at saw Legends him. Camp. Yeah, I saw him yeah. at Legend Camp, and he looks the part. You know, mm-hmm. but again, talking to an individual who you know used to play the other day, it's you know you look at again a guy like Francis Malagoa and the size that he Ooh. brings, the girth that he brings. That's a B-Mac. important. Correct. That's a B-Mac type Always. body, right? You know, but you look at that 01. Listen, it might not fill out the sides, but it's going to reach the bottom, right? So, Whoa, here we go. All right. Yeah, listen. So, so listen. here we go. Hey, so, we need that Coach Hayes sound effect in there. Whoosh. So, here's the thing, though, right? You know, you look at that 01 line from tackle to tackle. You look at B Mac, Joaquin, Bibla, Sherco, and Romberg. Like, that was an offensive line. Like, those are just big bodies, beautiful size, good feet. Again, and since 2013, I don't think Miami has had an old line. You know, you go to the McDermott's and the Linders and the Mongos. Like, that was a very good line back in 13. But since then, again, whether it be injury, whether it be who knows why, I just – we haven't had that. 
you know. Well, um, you bring in the kid from Oregon, Sagapolo. You know, yep. he's a dude that, that dealt with injuries there but gets a fresh start. You know, you, you talk about some of the versatility. I think your boy Ja'Kai Clark, Brad, that, that's going to be your starter at center, uh, which is good. I, I Stupid story. I ran into his dad at a grocery store here. <laughs> he, he went to – did he go to Grayson? Is that where he went? Yeah. He go to yes, Buford, he went to Grayson. Which is five, ten minutes. So I'm in the grocery store, obviously wearing Miami stuff, tattoos showing everywhere. And a guy walks by and goes, oh, go Canes. Oh, of course I throw up to you. And he was like, my son plays there. Okay, who's your son? 53. And I go, Zach McLeod's your son? He goes, no, 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 it's Mike Clark. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. I said, that makes sense. And we started talking. And this yeah. was at one point last year before Ja'Kai was starting. And he goes, yeah, I think he's going to be starting soon. He's moving to center, blah, blah, blah. So it was good. I caught up with his dad for about 10 minutes just standing in Publix. But I love, you know, when he took over at center. And, Brad, I give you credit. You were one of the first on it saying Ja'Kai should be our starting center. All of a sudden, teams didn't have as much push in the middle. Yeah. What was our kid before that trained? Corey Gaynor. Corey Gaynor. Gaynor. Great kid. He was not. He was. But little, you know what? He, he was he's, like, a Doug, oh. he's a Douglas kid. Yeah. Let's, he, he's a Parkland kid. Unfortunately, not, not that, he was more of a Manny kid. I mean, when you look at it, Manny Diaz, like Manny Diaz, at the end of the day, he wanted the yes man, right? You talk about the coaching staff. Everyone under him was guys he brought in. So you know, when things got rough, and you know, they wanted to kind of say, "Hey, maybe we should change this." Well, you got me the job, so I'm kind of going to listen to you. Same thing goes to the players. Corey Gaynor was at the top of the list when it comes to a guy that Manny Diaz depended on and loved. So that, I mean, that was a lot of it as well. But do you remember though, because Corey Gaynor took over, I believe for Tyler Gauthier, right. you know, mm-hmm. and then, so yep. it's always been like a, like an injury, like a trickle down effect, but you're right. When Ja'Kai took over, I remember we were sitting there at the UAB game. It was Brad Bird, myself. Yes. It yep. might've been E. I don't know who else was with us. And he was Ja'Kai, with us, yeah. Ja'Kai was pissed. Like, yeah, literally, man. he was sitting at the end of the bench. He's taking off his gloves. And I'm, someone made a comment. Yeah. I don't know if it was Bird or Brad said, oh, what if they call him in and he don't have all no, this stuff on? <laughs> here's, here's what happened with that. So we watched it. And this is Ed Reed picked up on the fact that he was taping, taking the tape off his fingers. It was like halfway through the fourth quarter. And he was pissed that he wasn't playing. So you see Ed walk over. I don't know if it was to Manny or somebody, but he said to something to somebody. And then the next thing you know, the next offensive set, they're calling 53 out there. And he's like, oh, man. So he was all expected not to play. And then, like, you knew, like, that's when – because, like, that's the kind of stuff that Ed Reed's going to pick up on, right? Like, he's going to see that, you know, hey, this kid's sitting away from the team. But, you know, the the, the awesome thing about Ja'Kai, and, I mean, look, we've all, you know, had a good relationship with him and everything. Ran into him at Legends Camp. Um, and the kid was glowing, man. Like, I'm like, hey, how you feeling? Oh, man, I'm great. Like, you know, things are awesome. You know, like, we're, they're really pushing us here. They're holding us accountable. I'm learning so much on this line. We're going to be dangerous this year, right? So, you know, I mean, of course, I think they always are going to, you know, they're never going to say, oh, things are, things suck. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I, I really feel like this kid's bought in, right? And he is ready to just wreck people going forward. I yeah, he, I was, I he hates losing, that. that's for sure. He, he, sure, he, we all do. <laughs> yeah. I forgot who I was reading today, and they were talking about Zion and, and Will Mallory and how good it was for them to not go into the draft last year and come back. Brad, I want your opinion. If you're going left to right, how's the offensive line start week one against Bethune? And you got you got about 45 seconds before we go to break. So I'm going to call this a deep radio tease. We're going to hold that until the other side of the break. Are we going to hold our breath, or are we just going to hold know, that thought? Know, you hold that thought. This is this is what we call it. I'm, I'm teaching you guys the radio game as we do this radio <laughs> show. It. This is a deep tease. We'll do teases coming up. Like on our show, we'll go coming up tomorrow. We're going to do this to make you tune in. So coming up in about 40 seconds, 
when we get back from break, Brad is going to break down how he thinks is going to be the starting offensive line from left to right. It's the Kang Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You get that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn. 
you come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I don't think he hit pause. I think I messed up the whole tease and, and Co just left because it still says live. So if you're watching live, we're back here on the Kane Gang Radio Show, Sirius XM Channel 145. Having a great time chopping it up. So, Brad, the deep tease. Offensive line, if you're, if you're thinking who's coming out, you're starting five, uh, Bethune-Cookman, which I'm assuming all four of us are going to be there. Yep. Although with flights right now, I don't know how the hell I'm getting down there. I think I'm going to have to take the Greyhound with as expensive as there, or I'm going to be flying, flying spirit, which is equal to taking the gray out down there. But Brad, how do you think the offensive line is going to shake out? I mean, obviously left tackles got to be Zion Nelson, right? Projected in some people's mock drafts first round. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, the left guard's pretty interesting um, because this is where you could kind of plug and play a lot of guys. Um, in my personal opinion, I want to see what someone like Logan uh, Sagapalo does. Um, I know currently right now he's a little banged up, so we'll see what happens in the next couple months. Um, so just to be on the safe side, I would probably say um, Osmond Troyor or Josh Dennis on that left guard. Center, I'm going to go Ja'Kai Clark. Um, obviously, that's my boy. Right guard, I'm going to say Jalen Rivers. Um, until um, I know how healthy someone like John Campbell is, um, I got to go DJ Scaife right tackle. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, the offensive line is going to be something to look after, you know, in the next three or four weeks after the football season starts. Cause I think that's when they're going to start settling in and figuring out where these guys need to put, be in the right spot. Man, I forget all about Jonathan Dennis and other kid transfers in. You forget about Usman Traore, another guy that's been there, you know, a guy that came in a year ago. The good thing is there's like true competition. You know, I think about when we were all sitting in Orlando in 2019 and John Campbell's on one side and had no chance. And poor Zion Nelson's about as heavy as I was. First he, game. Bert, yeah, Bird, he was as heavy as you were pre-keto. Yeah. <laughs> left tackle against Florida. You, 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 you had your boy Corey Gaynor in the middle just getting shoved everywhere. Navon Donaldson, who was, you know, loved Navon, was a little bit out of shape. and whatever. My goodness. And we, we still had, almost won that game. Right. We had no chance to block. And now you start talking about the names you just threw out there. You got to feel so much better with Alex Mirabal coaching that this line is going to move people's asses off the line of scrimmage for once. Yeah, and, and there's a couple other names that haven't been mentioned, whether or not they get PT or not. But you look at guys like Ryan Rodriguez, Lawrence Seymour. Yeah. Like there's definitely there's definitely going to be depth. And again, that's one of our biggest concerns over the last couple of years is when you have an injury, who are you filling in for, right? So at least there's going to be depth there. And again, with this recruiting cycle coming up, you already got one that you potentially have until LOI comes. But, you know, who knows what can be a trickle-down effect. You know, you look at, like, Jaden Rashada, 
You look at someone like Maragoa, you know, you look at Riley Williams, those kids talk to each other, right? Oh yeah. And you want to play with people, you know, that's why again, Jalen, like, uh, like Jalen Brown and Rashada who play together on, you know, their seven on seven teams. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to transition to the college level. Everybody's talking about Jaden Rashada. I'm trying to hype up my boy, Emory Williams. Yeah. Me, talk talk yeah. to me about him. Man, I tell you what, man, Emory Williams, like, has always been impressive, in my opinion. This is a guy I've always been high on. I mean, when you look at his tape, it's there, right? I just think he doesn't go to as many camps or he's not, you know, the bright, shining armor, you know, that Jaden Rashada or some of these other guys are on a high-profile athlete. But as soon as he got invited to that Elite 11 camp, he blew up, and it was for good reasons. Um, shout out to, you know, Josh Pate, Pate University, right? Mm-hmm. He brought up a great comparison for Emory Williams. And if no one's had seen the interview that Emory Williams did um, with some of those guys after Elite 11, they asked him a simple question. Why Mario Cristobal? Why Miami Hurricanes? Why are you going to be a quarterback when you already have, you know, a four-star, five-star Jane Rashada? This man, instead of looking at the guys that asked the question, he immediately turned to the camera and looked at the camera the whole time. And literally, instead of saying why he was going to be a quarterback there, he was like a, a straight advertiser to the whole nation on why you should be a Miami Hurricane and why the university is going to be back on the map. And the comparison mm-hmm. that Josh Pate brought to Emory Williams, it makes perfect sense. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, Mac, Mac Jones from Alabama. Oh. And it is a great comparison because this is a guy that was very underrated. You know, he, he brings everything to the table and he gets the job done. He does exactly what you need of him. And the, the mantra that he brings to him, man, he's very calm, very collective and bright, bright young kid. And I think that's a great comparison. You know what I loved out of that interview is that he he, he built up Rashada in there as well. He said, oh, Jaden Rashada's, you know, back here throwing about. So like, look, those guys I think are all about, you know, both coming in and both competing with each other. Like, it's, yeah. Look, just because you're in the same class, like there's always going to be there's always going to be competition in any in any elite program that you go to. There's always going to be competition and you want guys that are going to go in there that are going to step and that are going to rise to the competition. You know, and look, both those guys are going to get the opportunity to play here. Right. Just like, you know, Stevie D this year, you know, you're going to see Jake some, you know, you're going to see Ja'Curry Brown. Like all these guys are going to get a shot, man. They just need to come in and fight and be dedicated, you know, and not let the fans worry about, you know, who should be in or out of the, uh, out of the classic quarterback, like just come in and compete. Bird, you think about, and to use the great comparison with Mac Jones, it was Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, all in the same. And I think Bryce Young came in after Mac Jones. Yeah. He ended up redshirting a year. Think about what Georgia has. And I I hate to use Georgia as an example, but Stetson Bennett is the walk on who leads him (laughs) to a national title, but they have four star Carson Beck. They have almost five-star Gunnar Stockton, almost five-star Brock Vandergriff, and we're in the running for Arch Manning right up till the end. These kids, they realize, and and you could even use Clemson. DJ, they, you go from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, DJU, Cade Klubnik was one of the highest-rated recruits. He's sitting as a backup now. These kids realize you go in and you show that you could play, you could be a true freshman and you're going to start. Yeah. Now, yeah. is there a potential that some of these kids potentially leave? Sure. Or one or two go, you know, they look around and go, look, I'm not going to play. I'm out of here. Sure. That's why I always say every cycle, bring another quarterback in. You have every, to. If you got yeah, five you have quarterbacks to. on the roster, you still don't have enough. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What's more important? You know, you, you look at the elite 11 superlatives and you see Jaden Rashada had the strongest arm, right? Mm-hmm. What's more impressive, a stronger arm or a ball placement and accuracy? 
catchable ball is the best. Yeah. Um, because I say this, I watch, I watch some of that Manning camp, and I'm watching Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he could throw the ball seventy yards. Could, nobody could catch it because yeah. he wasn't accurate. You know what I mean? So, I, work, I work with a former NFL receiver who played with Michael Vick, and he also played with Matt Ryan. And he said unequivocally, it was better to catch a pass from Matt Ryan. A, Mike Vick didn't have a changeup. Everything was a, a hundred mile an hour heater. You run a slant as a receiver. The last thing you want is that ball coming at you screaming. The second part with the ball placement, and I learned this a lot, you know, working on the sideline in the NFL. You got to throw to a spot where you're not getting your receivers killed. Yeah. You know, we've loved some of the quarterbacks we've had, but there were some of them that led our receivers into harm's way mm-hmm. more times than not. Ask any <laughs> receiver, and I played receiver growing up, and that's what I got recruited to play in college. You don't want somebody that's going to throw the football. Like if you're running, just say you're running a dig route. You're coming across the middle and there's a window. You got to throw that ball where you're catching that ball in that window and can be safe where a safety is not going to come and take your head off. And I'm not saying Jaden Rashad is going to have that problem. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I would rather have somebody that gets me the ball where it's on the right side. If I'm running a curl route and it's supposed to be thrown to the inside shoulder, it's to the inside. If I'm running that seven yard hot route or the hot out route, it's to the outside shoulder where only I can catch it. That to me is the most important. And that's where I don't think high school necessarily prepares a lot of these guys. They're throwing to wide open numbers. You know, you watch and some of it's competition against who they're playing against. You'll watch some of these quarterbacks throw and receivers are wide open. That doesn't impress me. What impresses me, throw it into a window where you got a corner underneath and a safety about to kill your receiver and you fit it in there and it becomes a catchable ball. Catchable ball to me is the most important of anything. So I asked that question only because you look at the top quarterbacks that are getting ready to, you know, go to college. You know, you look at people like Arch Manning, which I just don't think he's the number one overall player in the country, but that's just my opinion. You you guys might think that he is the number one overall player in the country. I just don't think that he brings what it takes based on who he plays against in competition to earn that right as a number one player in the country. You look at Dante Moore, you look at Jaden Rashada, you look at the kid uh, Nico going to Tennessee. Brad, what's your take on all the uh, you know, on these big quarterbacks going into college? And, and what do you think that they're gonna do as a freshman? You know, I think when you look at the quarterback position and as recruiting in this day and age, one thing that you know brings a lot to the table is NIL now. Um, and I think a lot of these guys, they're getting, you know, paid off of their position, but also the hype of what they bring to the table on social media. And at the quarterback position, I mean, that's, you know, one of the givens there. You talk about Arch Manning. I mean, me personally, if you turn on the tape, you know, tape doesn't lie, especially the competition you play against. And Arch Manning, in my opinion, is not even a top five quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned Nico. Um, you got Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada. Um, there, there's a couple other guys that I would say are better than someone like Arch Manning. And this is a guy that didn't go to, you know, is the camp for quarterbacks where we were just talking about Elite 11. He decided not to go to that. Um, and I think, you know, with his last name being Manning, you know, he he carries a lot more weight than, you know, some of these other guys to where there's a lot of things that he kind of gets a, a, a fair pass for, in my opinion. Um, and I think him going to to a big program like Texas, who's on the rise as well in recruiting, he's going to have to show what it takes uh, very soon. If not, he's going to end up transferring because there is a guy there like Quinn Ayers um, who, who just transferred from Ohio State to Texas. And he was a top quarterback as well. And I think he could sling the ball. So Arch Manning day one is going to have to go in there um, and compete 
And that's something I'm interested to see with someone yeah. like him. Now, What's his name? Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I've heard with Arch, he wants to redshirt. Now, that's – I don't know how true that rumor is, but I've heard that they want him to redshirt that first year. He needs to, right? Like, yeah, and the thing also in that room is uh, – I think his name's Malik Murphy. He was another five-star uh, – you know, slinger, like another five-star quarterback that's on that roster and everything too. But, you know, so I, I see why Manning is the number one rated, overall rated recruit. I don't think he's the best quarterback by any stretch. Like he's like Brad said, I don't think he's top five at all, but he is more marketable than any other player that's coming out this year. So he's going to sell tickets. You know, he's going to, he's going to build the excitement. I mean, you know, Josh Pate pointed out on his show as well, that all these recruits are coming because, because a guy like, and Arch Manning goes there, right? Even though, like, we all look at the tape and we're like, yeah, his kid's playing against middle schoolers out here and not looking very impressive out there. Uh, but, you know, he's still, he's bringing guys along with him. It's kind of like what's happening here, you know, after you get the number one left tackle on the board and you see all these other guys are moving up their commitment dates and a lot of people are trying to jump in the boat right now. So, so Brad, let me ask you a question. Obviously, Miami, Miami is the, the, the hot topic. Miami is the hot name. Miami is the hot school with recruiting. What's going on on your neck of the woods up there in Gainesville? <laughs> like, like, obviously, they got a big they got a big commit. You know, they got, a, uh, I believe it was a running back. What's his name? Yeah, uh, Trayon Webb. Trayon Webb from Trinity, uh, Trinity as well. You know, he's the running back. Um, the quarterback to that team is my guy, Colin Hurley, 2025 class. Um, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. But that is, you know, his partner in crime and Trayon Webb. And then they also got Marcus Stokes from Nice High School. As we know, that's where Tim Tebow, Tebow went. So, you know, the Florida-Nice combination, you know, that seems to be there. And he was – him and Webb, Marcus Stokes and Trayon Webb, were both once committed to Penn State. They both ended up deciding to go to Florida um, here on a Thursday. But this is, a, you know, a team at University of Florida who they once had the opportunity to get both of these guys in the class. And they decided – to, you know, reach for bigger fish like a Jaden Rashada and ended up missing out on someone like him. So they circled back around. And again, that goes back to the R word we talk about at the beginning of recruiting, and that's relationships. And that's something that the University of Florida hasn't seemed to quite be able to do. And when you bring in a new coach like Billy Napier, he's not known for recruiting. Um, and when he goes to a big time university like the University of Florida, the fans in this town, they expect you to win and win immediately. And that starts with the recruiting trail. And you're starting to see things heat up for him. But there's a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, I mentioned earlier with quarterbacks, one of the big things is NIL. And that is something that the University of Florida is lacking right now is to have, you know, something on the table for not only players that currently play for the University of Florida, but recruits that they're going after. You know, if you want to go after the big name fish, you're going to have to start paying in this day and age, unfortunately. And, you know, Florida's not there yet. So yeah. let me ask, let me ask you a question, Brad, about one of your boys. And I know we already mentioned him earlier, but talk to me about your boy Kirkland. Like, why now does he want to jump on ship? Like, I, you know, again, he wants to be a tackle. We know he's a guard. What what's your take on this? <laughs> well, well, well. First and foremost, I think he he sees he sees Florida texting him every day, and he's like, dude, I'm not I'm not having that mac and cheese ever again. I don't I don't I don't I don't ever want that again. I'll I'll just go to Publix and spend a dollar nineteen and get some. It's not even mac and cheese. I think it's shells and cheese. It's not even mac and cheese. It's shells and cheese. They got it from they got it from like an old people's you know retirement home here in Gainesville. I'm pretty sure they catered that from the same spot. But you know with Peyton, this is a kid where you know again talking about this day and age of recruiting, one of the main things in that is social media. And this guy, unfortunately, he he likes social media. He likes to you know. 
in recruiting, you like to take visits and you got to, you know, kind of play things out. Well, he likes playing universities, unfortunately, um, and, and he enjoys it. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, he, he is a kid. He wants to enjoy this recruitment process. And like you mentioned, even though he's listed as a tackle, I think in this system with Mario Cristobal and Alex Maribal, he fits more of a guard spot. I think if we had the prior staff, you go all day with Peyton Kirkland trying to be a tackle because we just need a big body like him. But with the guys that we have at the staff now, you have plenty of options on the table. So when you look at the tackle position, Peyton Kirkland's probably your fourth or fifth option right now. Uh, with uh, Osman Alian, you know, Finland guy. You also got Monroe Freeling. We just landed Francis. And then the second best tackle in the nation and Samson Akunola uh, from Nigeria is also another guy as well. Those are the type of guys that you need to bring to the table. And I think with Peyton, you know, he's a little wishy-washy. Um, I don't know where he really wants to go. One day it's one university, one day it's another. We all know that he's down to two schools. And again, you know, talking about, you know, the whole trolling social media, he was, you know, very clear about saying one of the teams being the University of Miami, but he didn't want to say who the second one was. So there's two to three universities still out there that don't really know if Peyton Kirkland is that guy yet for them. But I think Miami and Mario need to figure out if we're going to bring this guy in. Are we going to tell him he's going to be a tackle and then bring him in as a guard? Because after talking to him a lot, he wants to be a tackle. And I think when you look at this UM line, he fits more of a guard position. Yeah, you got to earn it though. You got to get in and you got to show demonstrate your ability, especially with uh, with the, with you know come ball with us guys, right? You know, with crystal ball and mirror ball, man, you're gonna have to earn it. Man, so. shout out to uh, Colorado Kane out there, you know, doing this thing all the way out and. Oh, there he is. Colorado. What's up, Jason? <laughs> Jason. <laughs> um, one thing that again, we're gonna do a teaser coming up on our you know first segment of the second hour. How am I doing, John? Pretty good. Very we're going to talk about the potential <laughs> realignment or the oh. mega conferences that is about oh. to pop off here in college football. I feel like it's going to be just a plethora of chaos because who's going where, who's staying where, who's getting left, you know, who's getting dumped at the prom, like all these things that are going to get, you know, dropped. It's going to be interesting to see. You listen to the Kane Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM, channel 145. You got Dirty Bird, who finally joined us from his, uh, you know, banana split. You got John Michaels up there at the ATL. Brad Tejada joining us from Gainesville. We will be back shortly. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't, you I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 
We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva, la potra, la caballota, la reina y mi cuy. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, second hour, first segment. Recruiting's there. I mean, we can talk about recruiting, I think, all, all, all show. But I want to get into something that is pretty much getting ready to pop off. You guys think that it's <laughs> the world of college football as we know it, as far as landscape-wise, is about to change. Right. I would have never have thought that the Big Ten, and I always think of the Big Ten as being like the Northeastern-type schools. Um, but again, you know, you trickle down, Nebraska kind of joined, but – you end up going and getting UCLA and USC to go play in the Big Ten. There's talk about Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, FSU joining the SEC. You know, you got Central Florida going to the Big 12. So, guys, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the landscape of college football. I don't care who goes first. Just let's talk a little bit about what the possibilities are. Let's start with the University of Miami and what the possibilities are. Uh, To me, there's really there's three. It's the SEC, it's the Big Ten, but really, actually, there's probably four. It's the SEC, it's the Big Ten, it's stay put in the ACC or go to the Big 12. I don't think the Pac-12 is really viable at this point, but Miami um, obviously is a major brand in a major market. And what those moves for USC and UCLA were all about were money. Simple and plain, getting eyes in the LA television market, and unfortunately, Fortunately, we've talked about this way too much on our radio show here in Atlanta, trying to figure out how this landscape is going to shake out. The SEC paid schools close to $50 million per school in television revenue a year ago. The Big Ten was right below them at like $48 million. And then the ACC, including the money from Notre Dame in 2020, when you had the COVID year in Notre Dame, they were like 10 to $12 million short of what the Big Ten was paying. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 were even below the ACC and, and everybody else. So when it starts coming down to simple economics, if, if you're getting $20 million or more per year from your conference, why would you want to stay put with a conference that's got a bad TV deal? The Pac-12's TV deal is brutal. Raise your hand if you've watched the Pac-12 network. 
Nobody has their hands up. Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> I have once or twice when it's, you know, it's midnight and I've had like 17 Tito's and Red Bull. And I do play college football fantasy, which is awesome. And the Pac-12 always had high scoring teams. So invariably I'd have like a Washington State running back and I'd have one eye open and I'd be on the Pac-12 network. But outside of that, I never watch it. How many of us have actually watched the ACC network? And, and shout out to Wes and uh, Mark, Packer and Durham. Those are my guys. Wes Durham is one of my good friends in this business. Hate that their show's gone away. But outside of watching the game or watching Packer and Durham, I've never once, and I say game, meaning basketball, baseball, or football, never once turned on the ACC network. People, though, turn on the SEC network. You know why? Because they have sports center like shows. Yeah. They but Paul, Paul. That I don't watch. I can't watch Death Row in a mobile home in somewhere in Alabama. Paul, I want to talk to there, Paul. I mean, I don't want to see that. But the point is, those those conferences generated money off of their TV networks. And they generated money off of their deals with CBS or ABC. The ACC screwed up. The Pac-12 completely screwed up. And the Big 12 lost their two biggest brands in Texas and Oklahoma. Where do I think truly Miami ends up? I think they end up in the SEC. Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And the SEC is going to go to 20 schools. And if you look at it, I think it's 16 now with Texas and Oklahoma. Clemson, Florida State, and Miami make way too much sense. Yeah. And then figure out a 20th school. So I'm going to let the other guys touch on this. But to me, and I even brought this up, there's no other Southeastern Conference team than Miami. Miami, I mean, no. unless you want to sprinkle FIU in there, but Miami is your most southeastern school. Like, there's no one else there. But I will say this. Demographic-wise, culture-wise, Miami is as far away from the SEC as they are from the ACC schools. Yeah. I think Miami truly is more like some of the Big 12 or Big 10 schools. The yeah. SEC, I've been to a lot of places in the SEC. We don't fit there. I no, promise you. Again, that. we're a small private school. We're the we're the USC is the Miami of the West. Yes. I'm not going to say we're the USC of the East. USC is the <laughs> Miami of the of the West, right? So, granted, we don't have eighty thousand fans that are going to pack into Death Valley. You know, John must have something happened. Did you Michael Harris run? just hit a solo home run to tie it up. Oh, good. Uh, like I care who Michael Harris is, but whatever. He's, so. he's going to be the rookie of the year in the National League. That's who he's the, the only the only uh, Atlanta-based team that John actually likes. That's right. So, <laughs> so, 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 let's, across the street from. so let's talk about it, right? If Miami were to go to the to the to the Big Ten or stay, you can't stay in the ACC. There's not going to be any teams there that would be competitive. No. If Clemson leaves, you're in. You're in. Uh, again, you're you're trash. What do you got? Vatech, you got Florida State. What happens there? The SEC makes the most sense from a revenue perspective. Mm-hmm. Again, whether or not we're going to AM in a couple months with 4,000 fans, that's what we're going to do when we go to Alabama, when we go to Auburn, when we go to Vandy, when we go to all these other SEC schools. We're not traveling just because I, we're going to a different conference. We're not bringing 20,000 fans. But, Co, I can promise you from a Miami perspective, you get in the SEC and suddenly Alabama comes to your house. Oh, facts. Georgia comes to your house. Florida, A&M, LSU. Uh, guess what? The 40,000 bandwagoners that all of a sudden want to be a part of the Miami games are going to be there. Oh, the Rock Stadium will be packed every single week if you're in the SEC. And, and why not have that? Why who, not who have that? Who wants to see Virginia on a Thursday night? 
Um, and just to touch on this, yeah. if, if you were to go to the Big Ten, I know one thing I don't want to do, and I know the players don't want to do it from South Florida, and that's go to the cold. cold. And I, I don't want to be, you know, flying, you know, all across the country week after week. And I know the players, I mean, you got to think about the players and the coaches as well, because at the end of the day, that's going to be producing your W's. And, man, to be a South Florida kid and have to go, you know, week to week, back to back weeks and travel, you know, flights and being in the cold, that's a lot of – a come lot. On. You, don't, and on, man. you don't want to fly to, to, to Des Moines, Iowa and play the Hawkeyes in ah. November. You don't want to go to Purdue in no. late November. Come on. So it's you funny you bring that. that up, Brad, because this is the exact conversation that I had with Bird. Bird yeah. was all about the Big Ten. I and love it. Talk, I you're do. talking South Florida kids. You're not going to Camp Randall the last week out, you know, and Thanksgiving oh, where it's snowing. <laughs> and these kids from South Florida be like, what are we doing? Yeah, but how, about, but how about the flip side? Those kids from Camp Randall have to come to Miami in September, and it's 114 yeah. degrees and 6,000 jobs. Michigan State did it, and they put it on our that, ass. That was Manny Diaz. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like, like John touched on it, right, it's about money. SEC is going to bring you the most money. And I'm going to use a reference to my coach, you know, coach out here in Gainesville, because since he's stuffed in the locker right now for Mario Cristobal, he's not allowed to speak. And that's scare money don't make money. And if you want to be the best, you got to play against the best. And we all know the best conference is the SEC. I want to start playing Florida every single year because they're too scared to play Miami. And I think, you know, if you if you look at the bigger conference, if you're going to go to two, you know, major conferences and then you're going to extend that playoff, being in the SEC also gives you an advantage because I think at the end of the day, a three-loss SEC team – could still get that nod to be in the playoffs over, you know, a one or two loss team in another conference, because at the end of the day, the SEC is the best conferences. They produce the best, you know, players with the best championships most times. And I think Miami fits, you know, the SEC the most. So well, Bert, real quick, how many teams are in the SEC right now? 16, eight and eight? 14 will be 16 after okay. Oklahoma and Texas. So when Oklahoma and Texas come again, it makes sense. You bring those two, you keep them in the West. You keep everybody in the West. You bring a Clemson and Miami in, and you're now they're your East. But so now you have Clemson, with, Georgia, Miami, I, Florida. I think the divisions go away. You're done. You're done with divisions because I think your number's twenty, right? Like on all these. And listen, I'll tell you, like if if you gave me my choice of going into them, I would pick the SEC just because of the money and really the fact that we get to play Florida. That that would most likely become a, a game that we play every year, which I like absolutely welcome with every ounce of my being. But I do like a lot of the matchups that are out there in the Big Ten as well. And I know going up there in the cold, like, ah, we don't want to play up there. But, I mean, dude, Penn State, I think Notre Dame fits better in there as well. You know, getting to play Ohio State all the time. Getting to go out to Cali, right, UCLA or USC. Like, I think there's a lot of good, rich matchups that can happen in there. Granted, I just don't ever want to have to play Wisconsin again because we just – we don't match up all with them. What what do you guys think about (laughs) – one of the things that's been discussed, kind of an ACC Pac-12 conglomeration where you kind of have an East and a West. I think the, the Pac-12 is going to be dead out of all this, right? And, I mean, none of us, nobody's going to be able to predict this, right? But I was actually kind of tinkering around with it and like kind of like, all right, let me let me drop teams into buckets and see what I'd, what I'd want to see if I was the commissioner, right? And I think you got four 20-team uh, divisions in here, or excuse me, four 20-team conferences, right? So you got really 80 teams that can that have a legitimate shot to win the win the national championship. I'd love to see us go up to 14 regular season games, right? Ooh. But you know, well, so here's here's the deal with that. Everybody says, oh, yeah, that's a lot on these kids, right? But I think if you go and you say, hey, we're play we play 14 games, but every player only has eligibility in 12 games, you're going to start to see some of the roster attrition go down because some of those younger guys that aren't seeing the opportunity 
to play are going to get the opportunity to see a little bit of the field and you'll get to see a little more with your team and it becomes a little bit strategic, right? Um, but you know, you could also play 10 conference games, right. In a, in a 14 game schedule, cause you still get your four rotations. I think you schedule nine and then with conference championship week, instead of just two teams going, I would love to see us like, you know, say if you take the ACC right now, every single team goes to say Orlando at the end of the year and, you know, teams play each other as it is. And you could also bring a basketball tournament. And so you look at like people that are super fans of the teams, people would travel to these cities. You know, the SEC would, you know, be loaded down in Atlanta instead of it just being two fan bases. You've got, you know, all 14 or all 16 fan bases in there, right? Um, and then what you do, all the expansionists with that, like all four of those conferences, you know, their championship game basically serves as a, you know, uh, an 18 playoff, right? And the winners of those games go to the go to the four team and then four those those four teams play each other and get down to the to the champion through that. So but see that's 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 harder to do in football than it is in basketball. Right. I mean it's just again, you know, the way that they have the playoffs now, I think they can they can structure it to again, I think they need to expand. I think whether or not they go to eight teams, that's but man, if you're talking about having like four like 14 teams coming to one place 14, two place 13, and so on and so forth, that's an extra three or four games. One place two, two place three. It's one game. It's it's one game at the end of the year. So instead of just the two teams that win the regular season going to play in that championship week, you you know, you spread it out. There's you know three football stadiums in, in Orlando you can play in. So you can you can stagger them over a day or two. Yeah, I mean, just just to follow up with John's question, I think at the end of the day, if you're going to take a leap out of the ACC, you need to leap somewhere where you know you're expected of what you're going to get out of it. And the SEC, it's where it's at, in my opinion. And, I mean, not to mention, you got quality players. You got a quality coaching staff now to where, you know, imagine how, how great this or how bad this conversation would have been if we would have still had the current staff from last year. We would have not been saying SEC. I don't want the SEC because at the end of the day, we would have been a Vanderbilt in the SEC. But I think if we were to go to the SEC right now, give me anyone you want because I, I believe in this coaching staff. I know we got the players. And I think if you want to get to the top, you got to play the top teams, and that's the only way to do it. Well, again, to, to, to get better, you know, you got to play against better competition, right? We talk about it all the time, you know. You know, iron sharpens iron. You know, you want to get better? Play better teams. See where you right. stand. You might get kicked in the mouth a couple times, but at least you know where you stand. That's why I'm not a proponent at all, like playing the Bethunes and playing the Middle Tennessee States. To me, you're not getting better. It's a paycheck for those teams just to, you know, make a million dollars for traveling down, you know. But what, what do you gain by that? That's like going back to the bowl game against La Tech. I said, absolutely do not play that game. You have nothing to, to gain. Oh, they really didn't play that game, let's be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, but you had nothing. But, John, you had nothing to gain by playing that game. The only thing that can happen is you get embarrassed and you got embarrassed. Right, they should have let – what was our boy's name? What was the QB? Tate Martell. They should have let him play the whole time. Um, Tate. Yeah, that's, that was the only Tate. thing. You, you got shut out there. We, we don't get to see Riley anymore, which is kind of disappointing. She's no longer around because Tate's not there. Uh, to Bird's point, <laughs> I, like, I like going to an 80 I, – I would probably even pare it down to 70 or 60 in the top division. You know, I could get it four twenty team divisions. That's fine. Let's be real. In college football right now, legitimately, there's no more than 10 teams that can win a national title right now. The way yeah. that and, and 10 might even be a stretch. Like if I gave you if I gave you eight teams and then you took the field, I guarantee those eight teams are going to be who wins the national title. Like right Absolutely. now, I tell you it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State. 
It's Oklahoma, USC, LSU, Notre Dame. You put USC there, though, man, or are you buying the media hype there? No, I'm just throwing teams out. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Michigan and, I don't know, give me one other one. Notre Dame, maybe. Uh, Give me those eight. There's nobody else out of the country – you know, maybe we, we or and I'm sorry, I would take Clemson over USC. I, I totally forgot Clemson. But if I take those eight and I give you the other 122, you're not taking the 122 because they have no chance. And I think part of the gap right now in college football is the fact that it's only a four-team playoff. We already know the SEC champion is going to be there no matter what. Usually the SEC runner-up is going to be there as well. Ohio State or whoever's coming out of the Big Ten, Michigan, is going to be there. And then it's left for one spot. I don't think you'll get the 14 regular season games because it is too much on, quote-unquote, student-athletes, especially if you're going to have a championship game and an expanded playoffs. You're now talking 17, 18 games. Stay at 12. Get rid of the stupid conference championship games. And I know those are money makers, but if you expand the playoffs to 8 or 16, we don't need that. You got you got iron sharpening iron in the SEC. You could take two or three of their teams and go from there. What I'm a huge proponent of, especially if we go to a 16-team playoff, the first rounds need to be at the higher seed. Let those teams host On a campus. home game. Because for fans like us, and we were talking about this on our show here in Atlanta, just imagine it's a 16-team playoff and Miami's in it. Well, we all know we're going to go. Round of 16, we're in Tempe in the Fiesta Bowl. Round of eight, we're in uh, Indianapolis in Indiana. <laughs> Final four, we're in Atlanta, and then the championship game's in L.A. How is that fair to fans? How's that I'm going to be really broke because I'm going to be every one of those games, but I'm going to yeah. be really broke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Mr. Yeah, I'm going to travel would, to every game. You To the to the playoff games? You're damn right I would. Okay. Every, every game that we would win? Absolutely. I will put a second mortgage on my house if we go to the national title game. I'm Hell sorry. yeah. 100%. I wouldn't even second mortgage my house. Screw debt. Who cares? I just stay cash. He wouldn't be there. Like, you know, this guy's like, there. this guy's like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm going to ride up to Duke today, today to, to go check the game. We're driving up to Duke <laughs> to North Carolina. Like, I, I, will, I will say this speaking on this, on this, I mean, not to, you know, be a Debbie Downer or anything like that or just bring up the Bethune Cookman game, you know, in September 4th. But you guys talk about traveling, going to the games, but we've been wanting Miami to be great for so long. And now that we finally have a collective group that has put so much effort and money into this, you know, university, I think it's time for the fans to do the same and show up for game one against Bethune Cookman and try. I mean, obviously it's not going to get sold out, but pack the stadium as much as possible. I mean, if you live in Florida, live in Georgia, man, travel to the game because I think with Mario Cristobal and what the staff is doing, I think the players, you know, deserve it. I think this coaching staff deserve it. And I think we deserve it, man. This is the first time in a long time that we we get what we want. And I think this is the start of something new. And, I mean, I know, you know, it's Bethune-Cookman, but this is a great opportunity to see the Jake Garcias, to see the Ja'Curry Browns, to see a young guy like Javante uh, Citizen who could bring a lot to the table. You've got so many guys on right. this roster that are hungry and are wanting this opportunity. And I, I'm going to be there. I know you guys are going to be there. I think everyone I might show needs up. To I'm not sure. Here's what's crazy, Brad, to your point. I just happened to look, and I know I've got ticket hookups. I don't have to buy them necessarily. I just wanted to look today, single-game tickets for Bethune on the secondary market because normally that's a game that lower level – Oh, lower level, you could have got – I mean, you could have called plays for $20. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, club level and, and pretty much all my boys sit, not, you know, everybody didn't have co-money where they get to sit front row and, and do whatever. But most of my boys sit in the 200s. You know, they sit in the club level. Mondo's got club tickets. My good friend Carlos, who, who I've grown up with and have known. Listen, I, that, that's better than co-money sitting in the club level. They, no, get, AC, uh, they get AC. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. AC is nice, man. Yeah. Oh. You get food and your tickets are like 3500 per per person. So I know what you're paying. Uh, they're, they're not cheap. But my point to that, I looked online. To sit club level for Bethune, they were $200. What? Bethune, yes, for one seat. No. To sit down low, they were like, in the end zone, they were over 100 And Now, this is today on the secondary market, and I think part of that is the school hasn't released single-game tickets as of yet. But think about a year ago when you – the Michigan State game, dude, it was friends and family only. Yeah. You could have sat wherever the hell you wanted. You could have bought one of those, you know, nosebleed seats for 12 bucks and walked your ass down and, and st- stood next to Manny. That's the excitement, Brad, that you're talking about, where I do think Bethune might, we, we might get 45,000. Actually, I think we'll get more because Bethune's an instinct. Yeah, we more. might get 55, 60 there. Yeah. But I think you're going to see, even against Southern Miss and other people, you're going to see people showing up. John, Bethune-Cookman, uh-huh. section 201, okay. row one. Yep. That's the that's the West End Zone kind of corner. Yep, one twenty-seven a piece. Right for Bethune Cookman, but it's in club level and it's row one. Yeah, but that's fun. <laughs> like, row one hundred six, row one, two hundred and ten bucks. Right, Bethune. it's Bethune. That's my point. Bethune's a game that you normally you you went to Burger King, you bought a Whopper, and you got a free ticket to Bethune. <laughs> oh my word! I would never pay that. Well, I mean, technically, <laughs> you technically, would never pay that. <laughs> I, let me rephrase that. Technically, it'd be cheaper for me to buy them on a secondary market than it would be for me to have season tickets. So when are you you leaving for Cane Walk? What in the morning? Is that when you? <laughs> He's got a tent. He's got a tent outside in his spot. But you know, no, look, the funny thing on that though, like he didn't even have to get there that early. Like everybody there, even the players' families, know like where his spot is at the corner of the gate. <laughs> Last so, spot on the listen, end, man. That's called what corner. What if I show up and just debo that corner? Oh, oh I know security. <laughs> I know, I know Miami Dade County police that patrol that. He's got to go. <laughs> hey, he's in my spot. That's right. exactly what it's gonna. That's exactly how it's gonna go down. Look, you've earned it. You get a chance to do exactly that. But you know, so the funny thing is, I did, I did, I hate the way Kane Walk is now, and awesome. I know we're probably getting off tack, but. You know, when it first came out in 2013, give or take, you know, when uh, Golden took over, like, and I have videos, like Facebook videos, you know, on memories. Like, it's me leaning over the rail. There was nobody there. There might have been. Yeah, because it was out Golden. Of course, yeah. nobody was there. But, I mean, there might have been 200, 250 people lined up across that thing on both sides. And players just, you know, gradually strolling by. You know, we're all yelling, but they're not paying attention. And then over the years, it just got to where – now you're bringing the band and then you're bringing like the dancers and then you're bringing the cheerleaders. And so um, at Legends Camp, I have brought it up to somebody. I said, you know, why not look at moving those people right on the other side of the police car? So when the players get off the bus, it's all the fans. Right. And then like the band, you can still hear the music right past, you know, where the fans are and right. have them like the cheerleaders and all those people going right into hard rock so like it's a full because once they get past like the last people like myself they're just walking into the stadium yeah see 25 year old co would be very disappointed in 40 plus year old co that doesn't want the cheerleaders walking or the dancers when i was 24 or 25 yeah i wanted to see ken dorsey 
But there were some hot, light-skinned cheerleaders that I wanted to look at first. Bro, damn ass. Even though, like, for the families, though, like, when they all, you know, like, every, every you know, college game day you're watching and you're watching all the teams walk in, the players are always stopping. They're giving, you know, their girlfriend or, you know, their parents, they're giving them a hug and kiss. They can't do that at ours because they are stepping over band members, over Sebastian, mm-hmm. over the cheerleaders. Like, it's, it, it, it's it is a problem. It's, it's way yeah. packed in too much. And you have this beautiful entrance. Like, if you drop them off at the tennis stadium and let them walk in through the fountains with the giant screen above, it's like, a little bit longer of a walk, but they're already walking a really long time from where See, the bus is dropping to where they go to get to the locker room. I've got a great idea. Now they built that stupid Formula One track. How about just put them in cars? Wow. Have them come. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'll drive one of them. I got to well, ask I, you this because I don't live there. How is parking going to be now with that stupid track? Does that so, come out or yes. what happens? So uh, they just released a map. They just released a, a, a parking map. Orange parking's back. Blue parking's back. Okay. Um, again, it I, obviously the grandstands and stuff I'm assuming are staying because that's all structurally built. Um, but from what I saw on the map, it's going back to regular parking. It doesn't matter to me anyway because I have black parking, so I park right next to the stadium. Humble I, name drop, name, name drop. What? Oh, yeah, shout, shout out to uh the people out there that hooked me up with the black parking. That, that's called season tickets because based on where I sit is where I get to park, right? So you do get some perks. Don't get me wrong. It's, some it's, perks. Some perks. You and JD, the boss down there, you, you guys might as well be players with all the perks you guys got. We don't get that many perks. I mean, obviously, listen, we get, you know, we get we get food, we get drinks, you know, we get gloves, the, wristbands, all we that. We get the exposure. But, you know, that, that comes with, but that comes with work, right? Like, I put that work in over, you know, almost 30 years, you know? So it's, you know, you kind of earn This stuff. is where I'm jealous living out of town. You know, I... <laughs> I can come down and, you know, there's a few people in the crowd that recognize me and, you know, I obviously know a bunch of people at the tailgates, but I'm not nearly as entrenched as I'd like to be. Yeah. Uh, One of the coolest things for me is that Mario Cristobal follows me on social media now, which um, I was pretty excited about when I saw that Mondo. I think Mondo's the first one that saw it and sent it to me because he had Mario follow him first. um, Cause I think Mondo, you know, Mondo obviously goes way back down there. And I have to shout out to Mondo. He's probably run, running around after his twins right now on the beach somewhere <laughs> uh, down in the Keys. But, um, you know, when he followed me, I said, oh, I, I've kind of arrived. At least I have the head coach. And Brian Finneran looks at me and goes, you can't MF him like you did Manny Diaz. I Bro, said, no, facts. I, well, facts. that's true. Don't go five and seven because I'll turn on you like a rabid dog. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with that. I just, I'll let you know. You go five and seven, I'm going to run your $85 million ass up out of here. But no, Mario, we love you. We trust you. When I got that follow from him, I didn't tweet for like three days because I was like, I don't want to send anything that's not like positive. And now I'm just on my BS, but you know. Man, like, and that's the thing, right? Everybody gets, not that they're starstruck, but oh, you know, the coach followed me. Obviously, he followed me a while ago. I just don't put every, some people have to post it. Look, he followed me. And the day that he quits, he's probably going to unfollow you. You know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) like, who cares? (laughs) Al followed me and then he blocked me. He's the first person to ever block me on social. I've never been blocked by anybody. Still blocked by Al Golden. Still to this day, uh, 2022 West Durham saved me from going over to confront Al Golden in Detroit. (laughs) You got to elaborate on this one. So my God, please go. So we'll, I will back it up. Al and I had a good relationship. He sent me clothes, literally sent me clothes to Atlanta because he saw me on TV. We talked at an Atlanta deal. I, I, and I told Al to his face, I said, look, you got my undying support as long as you win games. 
you start losing games, I'm going to call you out. It's just who I am. Came on my radio show a bunch, whatever. Well, we start getting our ass kicked on a regular basis, and I, you've seen me on social media. And this was – I was younger in my radio career and really didn't give a damn because uh, Kane was like two. So I was like, nothing. he can't see anything that's going on. <laughs> well, Al blocks me. Well, he gets fired, and he gets hired as the tight end coach of the line. Detroit, yep. We played in Detroit. I forgot what year it was. 16. I think it might have been the year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. And West Durham is my boy. Dave Archer. They were our, our play-by-play and color guys. And I was our sideline reporter. And Wes, as we're getting off the bus, because what we would do pregame, we got to the stadium at like 9. And our pregame show started at 10. And we didn't go on till like 11. Uh, so 9 o'clock, we'd go walk the field. Just kind of ritual broadcasters. As a sideline reporter, I wanted to see how the field looked and everything else. And then we'd go upstairs and eat breakfast. And Wes and Dave both grab me and they go, John, he's the tight end coach. Keep your ass on our sideline. <laughs> Literally, they told me before we keep you. And I see him off in the corner, like working with the tight ends. And Wes grabs me and goes, don't you dare. I said, please let me go say something to him. They were like, no. <laughs> no, I ended up going upstairs. I mean, I don't know what the hell I was going to do. It's not like I was going to start a brawl with Al. Al Golden would whoop my ass probably. He's a big old. He's 6'3". Six, six, he's big. He's, he's a big, big old dude. four. Um, but they were like, just don't go. Do you rem-? And they love to tell me, remember, you're a professional. We're here for this. This is a business trip. Don't, don't embarrass. I said, I got you. I got you. After the game, I think we whooped Detroit, and I just I said I'm just going to go upstairs. Just going to leave. So I left him alone. But I'm still blocked. I looked the other day. I'm still blocked by at Golden Al. Golden Al. Nobody's blocked any of you guys. I'm the only person that's been blocked. I'm sure I'm, Brad's I'm, been blocked. Brad, oh, I've been blocked. Yeah, I've been blocked. <laughs> I've definitely been blocked by a few people. I've Brad, never been blocked. What up, Brad? What's the guy? The Trini guy that started because I oh, I Brad, ride Trini. Oh my Dude. god. That guy's out of control. Like all that guy does is tweet like bad stuff at people. And like, he's got like less than a hundred followers and like nobody ever likes his stuff. Brad, have you ever met that dude or he just, he he just went after, he just went after you. Just doesn't, man. I don't know what it is with him, man. I I almost thought he liked me. Like, I think, I think low key, he likes guys, unfortunately. Um, And so I think, I think that, I think he just has a thing for me, man. But I even tried to run into him (laughs) in Atlanta at the airport when I was with Co. For the Clemson game, because you know he even he even was like, "Oh man, you don't travel to games." And I was like, "All right, well, if I go to the game, how about you you pay me a hundred bucks?" Because you know if everything he tweets, it's like he's in some part of the country, like oh, in, yeah. in, in in Ghana or like Belize or man. You would think a guy that travels all these places and goes to all these five star restaurants, he would be living the life. But instead, he's on his phone on social media, like miserable. I'm like man, I, I wish I had his life, man. I wouldn't be on social media, that's for sure. Well, I did, I did. I got blocked by somebody that I'll throw out here, and, and thank God, you know, one of these, one of the, one of the guys on here actually fixed it for me. But uh, Tay actually person. blocked me. <laughs> Tay, it was only Tay. It was only Tay. The well, Derek King, King one too. was. Yeah. yeah. But don't. But hold on. The thing was, was I said, hey, this person's, you know, fraud on on King's account, and then whoever had his account blocked. Me. Oh, so okay. that wasn't that wasn't King. Like so, when he, and of course we did. He, he followed me back. But when when Tay was going through his his situation this mm-hmm. time last year. You know, like a new account came out and it was like putting this grainy practice picture up and everything. And I was like, oh, that's not Tay, blah, blah, blah. And like, I was somewhat towards his like defense, but like he blocked me out of it. I'm like, oh man, like I don't, I don't want to be blocked by any of these kids or, you know, the coaches or the families or anything. Like I'll be blocked by another fan, no big deal. But, you know, going over in, uh, 
you know, saw him and everything. And uh, then he unblocked me and followed me. So I was like, all right, all is well now. Thank you. I do not, I do not follow any of the players. My rule is mm-hmm. if you're still in college, I will not follow you. I, mm-hmm. and that's just me, my own personal thing. Um, will I tweet them every now and then? Sure. If they have a good game, you know, I tweeted at Derek King, but I, I, I won't follow. I follow the coaches. Um, I'll follow the staff. You know, Aaron Feld's a good follow. Stephen Field, you know, my my high school teammate, uh, he's a good follow. Uh, but I, I don't follow any of the players. I'm sure I'm blocked from some of the fans because I've had people, when I go on Hockman and Crowder, will send me, because I have my DMs open to whomever. You can slide in my DMs at John Michaels U. Uh, <laughs> on all, all social media platforms. I am happily married, though, and she, she carries a knife. Um facts i'm sure there are because i've had fans say you don't know what you're talking about you're stupid you should never be on the radio i maybe i shouldn't i don't know but i'm sure i've had some fans that block me and i don't so know can, why can i tell you a quick story again not about being blocked but no we're going back to that trendy situation right and so, oh God, here we you go. know and it's not it's nothing bad but it's like you know you look at brad and you know brad might be a little a little smaller in stature but you know he's got a big heart and you know right. he's got a big personality he's a great dude Correct. He's got it. Like, you know, I look at Brad like my little brother, right? You take him under your wing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we ride to Clemson. Oh, here we go. <laughs> He's about to bring up Carol Baskin. <laughs> so we're sitting there and mind you, right? So, you know, stupid Derek, I don't care. StubHub, 500 bucks, sit right behind the bench, row one. It is what it is, right? And it was COVID because I was there. Correct. Yeah. So you sat yep. behind us, right? Mm-hmm. So, John, so we're sitting right there. next to you guys. Yeah, I was right so, there. Yeah. And I think that's the first time I met you and, and, you met, and I met Kane, right? Yep. So, we look like midway through the game, obviously we're getting beat, blah, blah, blah. These like Carol Baskin and you know, his, her son is over there just chomping at the bits. And <laughs> bro, I kid you not, she's wearing bro, like this she tiger looked, costume. She looked exactly right? like him. <laughs> she exactly looked just like, like Carol Baskin. So I don't know what the what what would happen because I'm trying to focus on the game. It's pouring down rain. Maria's wearing her poncho and she's like, You need to put one on. And I'm like, I'm not losing my man card. There's I'm not no doing way in it. hell I'm putting a poncho on, right? So Brad, I see look over at Brad, and Brad's like, like literally, he, I don't know if the guy came down, so they were the same height or whatever, but like, you know, they were on the on the stands, and Brad's up in this guy's face, and I'm like, Brad, what's going on? He's like, man, this Carol Baskin and her son, you're a punk, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I said, I'm like, Brad, I don't want to go to jail in Clemson, like not at two in the morning, man. Like, but man, it was funny because Brad just like walked, like do 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 do, walked in, got up on this on the stage, and he's like, he's all in this dude's face. I'm like, bro, it's me and you, and there's really no other Miami fans here. Like, what? I think I was gone by then. I'm like, what we gonna do? (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the few games I left before the end of the fourth quarter. Mm. It it got cold pretty quick, and that rain started coming down late in the third quarter. And my poor Kane at the time is 11, maybe. He must have been 11. And he he's a trooper. He's out there having a good time. You know, he met Jalen Phillips. And Cole was like, put Kane down here. And we got to talk to Andy Borgallis, who was standing right next to us. And it was really cool. Like, Cole has such a good relationship with Mike Rump and everybody. And he made sure Kane was taken care of. Late third quarter, it's like 41 to 10. And Kane goes, Dad, are we really staying to the end? And I go, you want to go? And I didn't want to leave because I'm just not – I'm a fan that stays to the end no matter what. Dad, you want to go? All right, Kane, we'll go. And then it was like a mile walk back to our car. because we had In a the rain. In <laughs> monsooning. I get back. I had brand new – some brand new Adidas Ultra Boost ruined because they're just muddy. Yeah. I, and, you know, my poor kid, 
I said, look, take your stuff off. I won't turn the air on. He had a jacket in the back. We had no raincoats. You know, when I left Atlanta, it was like 70 degrees. Then all of a sudden, it's ice cold and rainy in Clemson. So if I would have been lost. Brad, if I would have been there, I would have had your back. We would have whooped Carol back. Well, I wouldn't have hit the woman, but we would have taken care of oh, You never know. You you might have never ever showed back up. You know? That's very true. <laughs> and to a tiger. But you know what? The the drive back was the worst. And, and then, Brad, if I, don't, if, I, if I recall, we get back. Well, Brad was like uh, maybe like not even 500 feet at a hotel down from where we were. I pulled back into my hotel, and yeah, there was, there was caution tape. Someone got shot at the hotel. Oh, Lord. Well, that's bucket for you. <laughs> It was like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want to go to sleep. The drive back was brutal. Like, just pouring down uh-huh. rain, driving like two hours from Clemson back to Atlanta. Where it you was... guys had to go all the way to downtown or Buckhead. I live, Buckhead. I live twenty five minutes north, so it's it's only ninety miles from my house. Oh. My son got the car and goes to right. He was like, Dad, I'm going to sleep. Kane's out cold in the backseat, and I'm just stewing because like, oh, he's got an ass kicked. Um, you don't get you don't get the local you don't get the like the after show you know listening to like oh, he's, probably the, he's probably at the Clemson broadcast on the drive oh, home. No, that's where I put on music. <laughs> I can't even listen when we lose. I, can't <laughs> I normally would turn on QAM, but I I didn't want to hear Rashad Butler or anybody trying to be positive with the ass no kicking. Brad, you got to hear me screaming at the receivers because uh, we drop a ball, and I'm like, get your heads out of your asses. That's not Miami football. It's seven to nothing. He was then, he was yelling at the people on the bench. He's like, "What are yes. you doing? Pick your yeah, head up!" They sat right in front of us because we were right down low. But the stadium was actually—I I, would—that's why I think I'm going to go this year. I want to well, be in that oh. stadium when it's full because oh. even at twenty thousand, that place was pretty rocking. Dude. You know what I mean? I went there. In there was 05. no way there was only twenty thousand there. That right, I, but that's. <laughs> I went there in 05 when we played them. Went to triple one overtime. Triple overtime. You can't yeah. hear in that state, literally. And Clemson wasn't anywhere close to where they are now in 05. They were a ranked team, but they weren't championship good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That place is insane. Uh, you know, the thing is now look, going to that stadium, I wouldn't want to sit in row one. I'd rather be back 15, 20 rows. Right. You know, because yeah, again, we couldn't see over the players. No, I, I didn't like that. I mean, obviously, I'd like to be up front, but at the same time, like just put me, just put me 15, 20 rows back. As long as I kind of get an aisle. I mean, the, the that walk to try to get con- like uh, concessions was brutal. My hamstrings and my thighs were on fire. I thought I was doing four hours of like stairmaster going up and down. And try having two torn Achilles and, and going up and down that stupid stadium. The whole schedule this year, man. You talk about that Clemson environment, though. I mean, you know, our first road game at Texas A&M probably or arguably the the most hostile environment in all of college football, right? Like the no, I mean, no, no, you no, can no. say LSU, but oh, A&M can't A&M can't touch Clemson. A&M can't touch Alabama. It can't touch LSU. Like, there's a lot of people there. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Ohio State, I went up there. Those, those, I was those, up there. No, I was up there in 2010. Ohio State are just, they're just the rudest people on the face of the earth. But Ohio so. State, like, again, I've been to Oklahoma. I've been to – Were you at Oklahoma in 07? I did. We got yeah, me too. spanked. Yeah, me you too. Know, um, you know, and again, but I, I did go – one of the best stadium, not not best – one of the best road games that I've ever been to was in going to Tennessee. Oh, yeah, no too. Bro, like, just the atmosphere, the environment, college game day – you know, again, they had the one big run off the rip, settle for a field goal, and that was it. That defense Patrick locked Houston them in. 75 yards, we tackled them at the three, and that was it. <laughs> that um, was it. I have so many great stories from that trip. 
my buddies came up from Florida. I got a couple of Miami fans here. My buddy Carlos flew up from Palm Beach. We drive up there. It's only like three and a half, four hours from Atlanta to Knoxville. Of course, we're in our early, we're in our mid-20s now. We're going out whatever their downtown area was. And this will tell you the different demographic between Tennessee and Miami. That's when the baggy jeans were really in. Yeah. They they made me roll my jeans. They were like, your pants are too baggy. You can't come in here. I said, excuse me? And they were like, nope, if your pants sag at all. So I literally had to like take my belt, roll my pants over to get into the club. <laughs> we almost so we're in there having a great time, hitting on everything moving because these blonde girls are not typically into blondes, but Facts. they've never met guys from Miami. We've got swag. You know, I'm bald and I didn't have a beard at the time. I was a little bit skinnier. I look over my buddy Z, and if he's listening, he'll be so mad at this story. I see him hat backwards, and Z is 6'4 and about 300 pounds. Big old boy. He's doing this. He's pointing, and he's pointing up. I'm going, what? I look over at Z. What the hell is going on? He's about to fight the Tennessee men's basketball team. Oh, wow. (laughs) Four of the guys are screaming at him. He's Now, Z is is a maniac. He would have taken to So I'm like, well, I got to fight. I break a beer bottle, so I've got a weapon now, yeah. and I walk over, and I start pointing. And obviously, we're a little bit intoxicated, okay? We're a lot intoxicated. Yeah, I was going to say, a little bit. <laughs> and you don't do that if you're a little bit intoxicated. We're literally about to fight, and I'm like, I'm, what am I going to do with a beer bottle? A, that's a felony. B, these guys are humongous. Like, I'm going to get my butt whooped if anything like this happens. But either way, you know, it was just, it was such a fun trip. Then we went up there and kicked their ass, yeah. which was even better. You know, Harry from All Canes put on a great show, a uh, great like uh, All Canes party up there in Tennessee. Kind of rented out like this big mansion. Okay, we're all chilling. And, and if you remember back then, that's when uh, uh, Eight Mile it just came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there. I'm thinking I'm Eminem. I got the Scully on. <laughs> you know, like oh man. <laughs> so next thing you know, we're over there. And, and, and again, like obviously we're from South Florida. You know, we have a little bit of rhythm. You know, even though we might be white, you know, it's right. the way it is. Right? Well, we all got rhythm now. Yeah. Come on. So we're out there, and, and listen, we're out there just like just cutting up on the floor, just dancing, blah blah blah. And then the tennis, some of the Tennessee volleyball girls were actually out there. Yep. So they're six four, six five. We're just sitting around. So, yeah, so I'm sitting there, I'm dancing with, uh, then I start dancing with this one girl. Come to find out, that was Ken Dorsey's girlfriend at the time. Oh, whoops. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Didn't know that till afterwards. But, but look, it was that, that trip there, again, you pull up on game day and you see all the houseboats lined up on the yep. Tennessee River and, you know, just the atmosphere. I swear to God. Sailgating. I, bro, I think I was probably – Back then, I didn't have clout, right? I think I was only a season ticket holder for like three or four years, so I wasn't like hooked up. Um, I probably was the second to the last row. Oh my god! The upper deck. Well, the game was just the game was just a, a, like an option for you. Oh my god! Do you know how we got tickets for that game? Me and my buddy Carlos, my other two friends, had bought tickets wherever they got them from. I was like, dude, that was back when you could scalp. Yeah. And I said, we're going to go down to campus before game day. Cause I think game day started at 11 at the time. Yeah. Yep. I said, we're going to go to campus at like eight, then go to breakfast and then come back for game day. We get there at eight. We're driving around and we're just like, Hey, does anybody have two tickets? And this old couple was like, we're selling two 40 yard line, 20 rows up right behind the Miami bench. I think we oh. paid 70 bucks a piece. Wow. Now we were the only two Miami fans as far as the eye could see. And there were a lot of people in overalls that may not have had as many teeth as we did that were not happy. We were sitting there, but it was a great time. 
The other story from that, and this is one of the classics. This was when McGahee was at Miami and should have yeah. won Heisman. We used to call him Big Deuce because he wore number two. That was just our Atlanta Canes nickname to him. Big Deuce! My buddy Royal, who is a diehard Miami fan, after the game, he walks down right where the tunnel is, and he's got a McGahee jersey. And he goes, Willis, Willis, would you sign my jersey? And Willis was like, yeah, I got you. And he hangs it over the rail and goes, can you sign it Big Deuce? And McGahee looks at him with like a side eye, like Big Deuce. He signs it Big Goose with a G. He, bro, McGahee's looking like, why are you calling me Big Goose? He literally signs the jersey Big Goose number two and hands it back. Awesome. Royal's so excited. I got a Willis McGahee signed jersey. And he looks at it. He goes, this dude really just signed it Big Goose. Talk to me. You know, talk to me, Goose. <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> we mess with Royal every day. Like, I still see Royal to this day and we call him Big Goose. I'm like, Goose. You know, that was a fun trip because. If you remember, um, we ended up playing Florida um, same year, 02. Yeah. Right up, up in up 41 16. So they used to have the Discover card um, before it was the Home Depot College game day. It used to be the Discover card game okay. day. So at the uh, at the swamp, they had game day. So we went up there and obviously we're like, you know, listen, we're, 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 we're jamming to like Nelly, like, like I'm number one, like all that stuff. So we ended up going to the game day, like the discovered game day thing. And we, I'm like, bro, let me get up on stage. So he's like, I'll oh, come on up. So they're literally throw, passing out like discover cards, you know, like little gift cards and stuff. Next thing I know, I'm like, what kind of music y'all playing? And the guy goes, what do you mean? I'm like, bro, throw us some, some Luke. So they put some Luke on next thing. Oh, you know, no. it became a booty contest up there on that little stage. They were bringing all the Gainesville girls up and they're all dancing. And I'm throwing out like, I'm, I'm literally making it rain with like gift cards. Right. But I built a relationship. <laughs> With the people from Discover Card. So then when we go to game day in Tennessee, I'm like, yo, what's up, man? They gave us, like, VIP passes, man. Oh, so nice. we walked we're backstage, like, hanging out, at, you know. And then um, we saw them at the Fiesta Bowl. They're mm. like, oh, man, come on, that hang out. So, so well. Bro, no. But the, but the pregame thing was pretty cool. <laughs> so we've all been to some great – we did – Bird and I, when everybody was off a couple of weeks ago, we did best road trips. What's the worst road trip you've ever been on? Charlottesville. <laughs> Which one? 07 with Kirby Freeman. Oh, like, <laughs> you don't have to say anything else. I just know it off the rip, right? And then um, I think it was 2014 again, like another Charlottesville. I think the only touchdown we scored was like a block punt by Hugo De La Pena. No, that, know, was, that, was, that was the guy singing into the duck game. Bro, That's it was the cool. goose. Yeah. <laughs> singing into the goose. Uh, you know, I've been to some bad, like, you know, the Georgia Tech game a couple of years ago was just brutal. Oh, freezing. I almost got in a fight with some frat guys. But they like, I, talking about my daughter, and that oh, it was yeah, yeah. Ooh, there's no need for that, man. Well, um, like, as far as like, I'm married, to, I'm married to a Spanish girl, and they started making Spanish jokes, and my uh, daughter was 12 at the time. And I said, Bring your entitled ass down here, and I'm going to show you what's up. And they yeah. would not, they would not come down from where they were at. <laughs> You know, as far as like a road game that we've lost, it was just, and I don't even care if it's a loss, but like a bad loss. Like those two UVA games for me were just brutal. Like, and again, uh, 2014, I think it was 10 degrees. Like I'm literally, I got gloves on with like five hot warmer or hot pads stuck in my gloves. I think that was, that was Maria's very first road game. And she locked with you. Bro. <laughs> sat there row one right behind the bench. I wore my stupid Optimus cane. Like oh. costume up to UVA. I'm standing there on the 50 yard line with his helmet on, his shoulder pads on, 
and we lose. <laughs> Brad, what's the worst game you've ever been to? The worst game I've ever been to actually wasn't a Miami Hurricane game. It was um back in the early two thousands. Um, I had I went with to with my dad to North Carolina for a bowl game when NC State played South Florida. And the reason why I went there was because my dad's best friend at the time, who was um, trying to be Sean Taylor's agent, but at the same time was uh, being the agent of Mario Williams, Stephen Tulloch, and Andre Maddox, who, you know, two out of three of those guys are, are South Florida guys, and they all were playing for NC State. So we were lucky enough to get some tickets and, you know, pretty much the whole nine yards hotel room, stay with the players and whatnot. So I was hanging out with those guys, but just going to a football game that wasn't a Miami Hurricane game, at, even at a young age when I was there, just being in North Carolina, like the environment just sucked. So and it was just one of the worst, one of the worst moments I've ever had at a football game. Like, yeah, it was cool to meet some players, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to be there. So one other game, but you want to talk about like non Miami game. I went to um, a of North Carolina NC State game in Miami, one of the bowl games down here. Had no, had no idea. I just got tickets. I am a Carolina fan in basketball, always have been. This is, again, Miami didn't have a basketball program for years growing up. And this was post-Jordan. I'm talking about like the Eric Montrosses and, right. you know, the Dante Calabrias and Ed Cotas. So I really got in. So it's like, oh, I had a couple of Carolina shirts. I literally walk into the stadium and I'm wearing a Carolina blue shirt. And you have all these people in red. You MFer, you suck. I'm like... Like, literally, I had no idea what was going on, right? I was a younger kid at the time. So I asked them, dude, I'm like, man, what's the deal with people yelling at me? They're like, what do you mean? Like, you're wearing Carolina blue. I said, what does that mean? They're both North Carolina schools. Oh, had no, I had no idea. Whole game, Carolina wasn't even playing. <laughs> Bro. Oh. <laughs> <Hey>, you were <laughs> trying to die. <laughs> had no idea, man. So whatever. Like, that was a pretty bad experience. Yeah, or for me, it's got to be bad yeah. ones. No, for me, it's just probably going to be that LSU game in uh, 2019 up in, in Dallas. So fun trip, but uh, awful result in the game, man. Because I, you know, I walked in there, I was beating my chest before the game. I thought, you know, I thought we were going to be, you know, thought we were going to go in there and we're going to take care of business. And, uh, you know, we got slapped across the face. Nobody so. knew who Joe Burrow was at the time. Well, Joe Burrow didn't do anything. It he, was he didn't. He didn't even know who Joe Burrow was. I mean, he, he only threw for 170 yards and no touchdowns. Nick Brissett or something Nick was Brissette. the running back. And Listen, that guy just I, I still, I still, I still to this day, if Trajan Bandy doesn't get thrown out of the game, we might have a chance. No, we had no chance. <laughs> we had no chance. Had no chance. <laughs> you know what's crazy, Bird? I was supposed to go to because I went to college in East Texas, so I still got a ton of friends in Dallas. I said, yeah. man, this will be easy. I'm going to fly to Dallas. I'll go hang out with my college buddies, go to the game. Awesome. My wife schedules a family vacation to Pensacola Beach. Now, mind you, her whole family's from New Orleans. They're all LSU fans. So oh. we get down there Friday before the, and I'm talking cash trash, Miami chain on Jersey. We're going to whoop y'all's ass. And I, and my brother-in-law is a drunk Cajun, like super fan of LSU. Like I am for Miami. Oh, you have no, and he's got the Cajun. Oh, you have no, you think we have no chance. We're going to take care of you, John. The, the game starts and I'm just, you can't cover us because Jeff Thomas caught a big ball. You can't cover him. You can't do this. And LSU starts kicking our ass. And we're both drinking. And he's he's now getting loud. And her Like whole, you were before the game. Well, her whole family <laughs> knows I'm like three-fourths crazy. And they're looking. And now all of a sudden they start sitting in between us. They're like, John's about to kill this guy. Isn't he? He's about to kill Uncle Brett. <laughs> and he's like, take off that stupid chain. And I'm stewing mad. Mad. 
I'm livid. But thank goodness, you know, it's family. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I left that alone. The worst game I've ever been to is, the, is an LSU game as well. It's the 05 Peach Bowl. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Go to, the game. Go to the game. Have a great, you know, the game's horrible. I leave at the end of the third quarter. It's 33 to three. I'm trying to hook up with this girl who I brought to the game with me. First mistake. She's not a football. She's not a Canes fan. She's like, you ready to go? You guys are losing. Shut up. You guys are, shut up. She was like, let's go out. I got a club we can go to right over here. And I'm in my club days. Fine. We'll go to the club, but I'm a hip hop guy. She takes me to some trance like glow stick. And at the time, oh, I didn't Raven. everybody's and rolling and raving yeah. and stuff. You know? well, and I'm just, I'm just angry because my team just got their ass kicked. I look up. She's got a plate of cocaine in front of her. Just I left. Oh, no. yeah. I just I ended up leaving the girl. She was so mad that I left her at this club. Straight but, booger sugar. Yeah, I was so angry. <laughs> Uh, that's a story for a different day, but either well, way. on that note, yeah. <laughs> listen, we're going to tease you guys next week. When we come back on the Kang Gang radio show, we're going to hear about some blow. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> the most Miami show ever. <laughs> listen, thank you guys for listening to the Kang Gang radio show. Your boy DC shout out to bird. Michael's in a special guest tonight, Brad Tejada. Um, listen, man, I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, listen, look forward to doing it next week. And uh, listen, as always, it's all about that. You go Kang. Yes, sir. The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.